whatever type of sin there is, the more we live a lifestyle that's not right, the more our conscience, our tenderness gets seared and the, the, the prayers are so watered down that true repentance is not operating in our lives. Amen, church. So we want to see this tonight, that there's brokenness and pain. Brokenness and pain qualifies me for comfort and joy. Brokenness and pain qualifies me for comfort and joy. You say, oh, I know, you know, we're supposed to have peace, but I don't know why I don't have any peace. Where they may, you may need some true, heartfelt repentance. Holy Spirit, take me back to the cross. As we saw the Passion, Sunday morning and Sunday night here on the, on, on, in, the, on the, in the music DVDs. Take me back. That I know as hard as it was to watch that in the Passion, it was, I don't know how much more worse than that in the, when you really went through everything that you went through for my sins that I take so lightly and want to make a quick drive-through prayer of repentance where I've got to get on my face and I've got to pray this thing through. When I'm really sorry over my sin, genuine repentance leads to salvation. You know, over the years, you know, it's a, a, a joking matter about about sin. You know, the devil made me do it. Oh, well, you know, we all mess up and, and we, we make sin lightly in the paper Sunday. I really appreciated um, what some of the articles they had in the paper for Easter. It said, for example, premortal sex. Only 45% of Christians call it a sin. Gambling, 30% calls it a sin. And, and, and then it goes on to other things. And the problem is, is what he was bringing out is that a lot of these TV evangelists and preachers, even on TV when they're being interviewed, do you preach against sin? No. I don't, I don't, I don't use the word sinners. I don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable, so I don't want to use the word sinners. And you read their books. There's nothing in there about live, woe to him, you know, who's living a sinful lifestyle or anything. No, if you're doing wrong, you ought to know it. I just want you to be happy. You can get all the books on the best days, the best years, the best time of your life, and those books will not change your lifestyle. Only a pure in heart can see God, and only seeing God will bring peace and comfort to a soul, to a body, and to a mind. The word sinner is throughout the Bible and repentance is throughout the Bible. That's what God is calling us to. If you don't mind, look with me. Second Corinthians chapter 7. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Second Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 1. I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. Second Corinthians 7 verse 1. Now, These, these messages last week on the cross and today on mourning over our sins, those are not popular messages for today. And you know, we had over 400 and something people here Sunday morning because it was Easter. But where's the good crowd tonight? Don't tell me what's wrong with me. Just tell me what I can have and what I can do and who I am. 
How many of you know, if you get an encounter with Jesus, He would tell you, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to repent. That lifestyle is not pleasing to me. It's not a popular message, but it will save souls from hell. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, Because we have these promises, dear friends. Let us cleanse ourselves. Let us cleanse ourselves. Let us, let me cleanse me from everything that can defile my body or spirit. My spirit can be defiled? That's what it says right here. And let us work toward complete holiness. Because we fear God. Complete holiness. Jump down to verse 8. I am not sorry that I sent a severe letter to you, though I was sorry at first. For I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you. Listen to the New Living Translation. But because the pain. But because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. When Paul wrote him a letter and told him, you are just in sin. And stop telling that sinner it's okay to keep sinning. But kick them out of the church. Rebuke such a one openly for their sin to save their soul. And until you did it, I had to tell you openly what was wrong with you. And because of the pain I caused you over your sin and over your wrong, it caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow, listen, it was the kind of sorrow that God wants His people to have. Oh, He said He'll trade in my sorrow for joy. Yeah, 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 yeah. In a repentant heart. This is the type of sorrow I want my people to have. So you were not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin. Leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow which lacks repentance. Worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. He's talking to Christians and he's talking about spiritual death. Separation from God. Why aren't you hearing my prayers? If I could truly hear a prayer of repentance, then I have time to hear the rest of your prayer. He talked about sorrow. He talked about hurting. He talked about pain. Over what I've done wrong. Not justifying it. Well, you know, we all go through those things. We're all doing that. But it says in verse 1 about, but it let us cleanse ourselves from everything. When I offend my father, I must repent like David did. David said in Psalms 51, return to me the joy of my salvation. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Return to me the joy of my salvation. Now, you know, Romans 6.23, you're taking notes. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. Spiritual death. The wages of sin is death. Look with me, Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. 
You may be saying, man, you said you're going to be preaching a discipleship. I didn't know it was hellfire and brimstone. Well, in John chapter 3, Jesus went into the waters to be baptized. And the Spirit of God descended upon him in the form of a dove. Then in chapter 4, he was led in the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and was tempted of the devil. Then he came out of the desert after a fasting and praying and an intimacy with God. And he saw the multitudes and he started preaching, he started teaching and he started healing. And what did he start preaching about? It's time to mourn over your sins. You got in a custom to go buy some turtle doves and a, and a calf and a sheep and sacrifice it. And you're not home 30 minutes and you're doing the same thing. And I've come to give my life to finish that type of heartless repentance. You cried in the desert saying, we want water. The water was bitter. So I cut... They put a tree in there. The waters became sweet. That wasn't good enough. We're hungry. Moses, you tricked us. You betrayed us. God, you betrayed us. You took me from one point to the other. And it seems like it's getting worse and worse and worse. And God has provision already prepared. Spoiled children. It's going to take true disciples of Jesus. To bring a revival. Because it's like one revival is said. People say, you just pray and a revival will come. It takes blood, sweat, and tears for a revival. A lot of times I'm sweating bloods in my personal garden over my sins and my will. Between my will and God's, I'm sweating blood over that. I'm crying tears over what I've done or what I've said, who I am. And sweating over trying to work things out and get things out of my life. It says here, Romans 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you want to write down the meaning of that, for all have fallen short of the standards of God that gives the results God promised. Look at James chapter 1 verse 15. Now, I'm not preaching to anybody here tonight. I know y'all. I'm just making a series of tapes for people who need this. But in James chapter 1, verse 15, and I need them. It says in James 1, 15, Then when the desire was conceived, it brings birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown... Brings forth death. How many know sin and the way I shared about mourning over the sins of others, but also mourning over our sins. Sin wounds me, but my sin also wounds others. It says when sin is full grown, it's the death blow to our lives. 
when, when, when I practice a certain sin, when I'm, I'm, I'm addicted or I'm going through something in my life, I'm, not, I'm, I'm wounding myself. I'm wounding my soul. I am wounding my body. I'm hurting my relationship with God. But there's also usually others involved that are being wounded and hurt too. Look at Romans chapter 14, verse 7. Romans 14, verse 7. It says in Romans 14, verse 7, None of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 12 says, so that each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or cause to fall in our brother's way. Or in other words, I don't want to wound myself and I don't want to wound my brother because of sin or something that I have in my life that's not right. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, I'm going to read this in the Amplified Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 5. You know, it's good to be reminded of these scriptures that the Holy Spirit breathed on these pages for us, especially in the area of sin. First Timothy 5, verse 24 in the Amplified Bible, it says, The sins of some men are openly evident to all eyes, going before them to the judgment seat and proclaiming their sentence in advance. Or in other words, there's some people who are practicing sin that they're not trying to hide it. They're just living in sin. But their sin is going is already going before them in the judgment seat. And they will stand in the judgment seat and give an account. But then it says, But the sins of others appear later, following the offender to the bar of judgment and coming into view there. So also, good deeds are evident. And even when they are not, they cannot remain hidden indefinitely. And then I want you to look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Some may be practicing sin in the open and others may not, but it all will open up the door for judgment before his seat. It says in 1 Timothy 4, 2, Speaking lies and hypocrisies, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. You wonder, how can somebody be living that lifestyle? How about, how can somebody just feel free to, you know, be doing that and doing this and the other? The more I do something, the more my conscience and my heart and my, and, and my spirit gets tender, gets uh, seared to where I don't even think twice about what I'm doing wrong. But not only that, I start sinning. I don't even worry about repenting because I know I'm going to just do it again. 
and my life gets deeper and deeper. Heavens close tighter and tighter. And the holes for the enemy, the serpent to come in and bite, gets bigger and bigger. So all of a sudden, my God, why is this happening to me? Why is all this wrong going on with my life? And then one day, if we get open enough, Holy Spirit says, I told you not to gossip. I told you in my word not to criticize. I told you not to steal. I told you not to lie. I told you not to go around those who are not of the fellowship and have counsel with the ungodly and sit in the seat of the scornful. I told you what brings blessings, but I told you to choose life or death and you chose what you chose. And I could not get in that position to save you because only those who are clean and pure can live in the presence of the, in the Holy of Holies. Show you example in Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Mark 14 verse 66. Talking about Peter. Now, as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, you also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And it went out on the porch and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him again and began to say to those that stood by, this is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you are one of them. You are a Galilean, and your speech shows it. Then he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And a second time the rooster crowed. Then Peter called to mind the word of Jesus, had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. I love one translation says, He broke down and wept. Write that down. He broke down. He broke down and wept. He broke down. He broke down and wept. He broke down. Now, I believe that's some true repentance. Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. He broke down and wept. He spent some time and he started realizing what I did to my Master. I had denied him. I, I cursed. I swore. I did all of these things. And he broke down and wept. And I believe that sometimes the problem with the church and the problem with America right now, the only thing that's going to turn America is a true heartfelt breaking down and mourning over our sins and over the wrongs in our life. And many, many, many parents wonder, what's wrong with my children? You. child is not stupid to see the difference of a parent's lifestyle in church and the lifestyle in home. So it talks here about breaking down. Lord, I'm sorry. You know, we've been taught for over 20 years in certain rings 
Well, you know, that's just religious to start that crying and all that. Just We're living in a time of grace. Just repent and get over it and go on. You don't have to do all that crying and moaning. I'll tell you what, I think we need to get some of that back in the church. It's been over 20 years preaching to get it out. And why, where has it got the church? 20 years with no growth. 20 years that we have a higher divorce rate than the world does. We got it out because that's a spirit of religion. Where Paul says, we need some breaking down in mourning over our sins and the sins of our nation. Genuine repentance has no regrets. It's a change of mind which leads to change of life, which brings healing and purification. James chapter 5. The book of James chapter 5. James 5 verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. Anointing with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Look at this now. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Woo! Let's look at this a moment. Is anyone sick? Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. But look what it says. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Boldness is in the heart of a repentant sinner. Boldness, confidence, and faith goes from level to level when my heart is right with Christ. The effectual, fervent, powerful, on fire prayer. Devil, I bind you in the authority of the name of Jesus. And I take authority over you. And I command you to loose. Like the other day, my wife had a, a, a migraine for two or three days. And all of a sudden, I, I shouldn't have waited so long, but about two or three days, and a holy anger came up on the inside of me. I laid hands on her. I prayed and I saw that's a spirit of infirmity. You loose her now in Jesus' name. And the pain left. And she, she had went three days with a constant migraine headache. And the headache left. I should have did that before and I'm trying to get faster and faster and she forgave me for making her wait three days. But there's confidence and boldness. People come up to you. People come up to me. You're going to die. You're going to die with this. You're going to die of that. Oh, no, I'm not. Well, the Lord showed me. Your Lord, Satan might have showed you, but my Lord spoke long life to me. And after years, I'm still here. Witchcraft, witch doctors, whatever it may be. It will not take me down. Why? I have confidence. My prayers are effectual. I have boldness and confidence. Why? Because I don't have anything inside of me condemning me. Remember what you did? Remember what you're doing? Remember the lifestyle you're doing? The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man comes from a pure man and pure woman. Don't mean we don't make mistakes. Don't mean we don't sin. We, well, I'm right here with you. I make mistakes. I sin. I have temptations. I go through things like you do. But I don't stay there. I deal with it. I work on it. I'm not going to allow something to bring me down. I do not want to see more dirt thrown on the name of Jesus because of a failing pastor. 
But you know, there's a lot of fingers about failing pastors, but let me know, there's more failing saints than there are failing pastors. But we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank God for 2 Corinthians 1.3 to encourage us a little bit. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Mercy is love in action. Even to the undeserving. Even when I don't deserve it, His mercy still extends towards me. In Luke 2.25, Jesus spoke of the comfort of His people. In Philippians 4.7, He speaks of the peace that passes all understanding. Now, we won't go to it, but in Genesis 8.20-22, you just jot that down. Genesis 8.20-22, after the flood, it said that, that Noah went and offered sacrifices to the Lord. And the sacrifices that Noah offered to the Lord was well-pleasing and satisfied the heart of God. After seeing all them people die under the judgment of God, don't you know that Noah and his sons and daughter-in-laws and wife, they offered up some real sacrifices? After they heard the people beating on the ark and there was no more getting in. When they saw the people climbing to the highest mountains and the waters covered every mountain and they all died and no one knew when they walked off that boat, we are the only eight survivors in this world. They really sacrificed. And it says that it pleased the heart of God. That's the type of brokenness and repentance that leads to salvation. The type that pleases the heart of God. Because listen, all you parents know when your kids are really repentant over what they did or they're just trying to get out of being punished. Oh, Mom, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I won't do it again. You won't do it again tomorrow. But when there's a belt involved, or there's a uh, taking away their PlayStation or something like that involved for a week, and then we'll talk and see if we want to go another week, then there's pain and sorrow. You hear me, church? Pain and sorrow. And the next time they repent, I'm really sorry. I won't do it again. And they don't do it again. Because there was some sorrow and some pain Involved. Amen. So it talks about that he'll bless the earth. Rain. When he talks about sending rain back on the earth because of repentance, it means enlightenment. Wisdom to show us how to live a blessed life. It means that the time of drought and dry season is over. And listen to this. Blessed are they that mourn. Now we're taught this. We've been taught. Sow your seed. And reap a harvest. As I sow my seed up, the windows of heaven are open and blessings come down. But I want to show you what Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn. When I truly mourn and repent over my sin, the mourning of my sin goes up and the blessings of God come down. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. All these are spiritual laws that release the blessings of God. Over our life. Look at 1 Timothy 5, verse 22. 1 Timothy 5, verse 22. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, but listen to this. 
nor share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. How many have that in your Bible? Do not share in other people's sins. You ever hear people say, well, so-and-so's doing it and they're getting away with it? Do not share in other people's sins, but keep yourself, say yourself, yourself pure. Now look at chapter 4, verse 12 of 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 4, verse 12. Let no one despise your youth. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in what? Purity. Purity is the gateway for the supernatural power of God. Now, I'm going to have to hurry here because my time's up. But just write down 2 Kings 5, 20 through 26. 2 Kings chapter 5, 20 through 26. How many remember the story of Naaman the leper went to Elisha? Elisha told him to go wash. And the, and, and the general had brought him all these gifts. And he offered him all this gold and fine clothes and everything. Else. Here, take these gifts. And Elisha says, I don't want any of it. Just take it and go on back. But Gehazi, the servant, took off after him. Oh, my master changed his mind. Just give us a little bit. So, boy, he gave him a little bit. And he went and hid it in his house. And he went back and, and the prophet Elisha says, Where have you been? Oh, I've just been here and there. He says, Don't you know my spirit or discernment went with you? And I saw that you went to get those things for yourself. The leprosy. Don't share in another man's sins. The leprosy that came upon Naaman is now upon you. And it says he left Elisha's house white as snow with leprosy. I wonder, don't share in another man's sins. I wonder if Naaman couldn't have possibly done this. Ain't gospel. I'm just saying, would it have been something if Naaman would have got his leprosy from taking bribes or lying? And the open door that caused the curse of leprosy to come on Naaman could have been the same thing Gehazi did to open the curse to come upon him. Don't share in another man's sin. We're still in Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. This is the NIV. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are His. The Lord knows those who are His. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some are noble purposes and other for ennoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter... He will be an instrument of noble purpose, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. Goes on to read, flee youthful desires, call upon the name of the Lord out of a pure heart, stay away from arguments and quarrels, uh, and then get, uh, will 
escape the trap of the devil who are captive at his will. All these things speaking about purity. Psalms 45 verse 7 says, If you love righteousness and hate, say hate, hate wickedness, therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with oil of joy. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. What's he saying here? You truly repent of your sins. I'm going to anoint you with the oil of joy. And repentance will bring you exaltation. Repentance will bring you blessings. Amen. Second Peter 2.22 talks about a dog returning to his vomit. And there's something I want to bring up right there. And I, and I know I've got to end. I'm, I'm sorry for, for, for the time I'm taking. But listen. You know what? A, a dog returning to his vomit. I do something that I'm not supposed to do. I'm living a life practicing something I shouldn't be practicing. And I go through it, but I'm not open enough to get, or I don't repent to get the revelation that I need to get myself out of it. So I continue doing it over and over because until I truly repent and have a change of mind, I'm not open for the spirit of revelation to come upon me to show me how that sin or that addiction is bringing me even lower and even more down. So I don't get the revelation I need to get me away from the vomit I keep running back to. Did you get that? A dog returns to his vomit. A sinner returns to his old life. Or even a, a believer will return to his old life if he doesn't keep boundaries up like a dog returns to its vomit. And Proverbs speaks about the same thing. And since I return to my vomit, I return to my old way, I don't get the, re- I, I, I'm not open or I do not receive the revelation I need to get me out of that and keep me out of it. Therefore, without that revelation and that anointing, I keep going back to it over and over and over again. Because I didn't truly repent to get the revelation I need to get out of it and stay out of it. Mm. The pure in heart shall seek God and have His divine presence. John eight twenty nine. He who has sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. For I always do those things that are pleasing to Him. I always do those things which are pleasing to Him. Psalms twenty four, verse three. And I'm just about through here. Psalms 24, verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And listen to this. Or who may stand in His his holy place? His holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Listen to this now, verse 5. He, he shall receive blessings from the Lord. He shall receive blessings from the Lord. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall receive blessings from the Lord. And my last scripture, 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, verse 22. This is what, what you're doing. This is what we're doing tonight with the Word of God. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Since you have purified your heart,
Do you realize how much we read tonight of hearing from the Apostle Paul and now the Apostle Peter? You purifying and you cleansing yourselves. In other words, I make the decisions. Who I'm going to please. How I'm going to live. And what the outcome is going to be. All by keeping my heart and keeping my spirit. Serving the Lord with my body, which is His. Amen, church. Is this the words of the Lord Jesus Christ? Is this the gospel, church? Let the people on the tape here. Is this the gospel? Is this old-fashioned and it's not for today? Is this still for today? Is it for everyone? The fivefold ministry? The saints? It's for all of us. Amen. Amen. And it's still alive today. It's still the truth that keeps working. Amen. Amen. Father, we come tonight and Lord, we come before You and we say, Holy is Your name. Holy is Your name. Holy is Your name, O Father. Holy and magnificent and glorious. For You are true, You are right, and You are lovely all together. You are omnipotent. You are powerful. You are all-loving. You are all-knowing. And we come before You tonight in our weaknesses, in our own needs, and sometimes even in our own vomit. And we come tonight and we repent of the error and the sins of our way. Lord, we repent for being in this vomit of addiction or lust or anger or jealousy or whatever area it may be that we keep going back and back to because we haven't stayed long enough at the cross to deal with it and finish it. So we come tonight and we pray and we thank you for your grace and your mercy. But we ask you tonight, Father, to give us grace and give us an anointing that is able to destroy the yoke and lift the burden of sin that's distancing ourselves from you. Father, our hearts cry that we'll be a church, a body, a, a bride without spot and wrinkle. That we will be a church that your presence is here with us. That there's not sin hidden in the camp. That there's not error and wrong on the platform, in the pews, in the, in the ministries. I praise you for a ministry of purity and holiness and openness, transparency. I praise you for our people who are consecrated. And Lord, I praise you for these tonight that didn't have to give up their Wednesday night, but they came to receive of the written word. And I think for that word going down in our hearts and spirits and reviving us and renewing us to walk in holiness. For without it, we will not see God. We will not see revival. We will not see your glory. Reveal to us, Holy Spirit, when we grieve you and when we quench you, Holy Spirit, reveal to us each and every one of us personally, personal Lord and Savior, personal Spirit of God, reveal to us areas in our lives where we need to change, areas we need to work on. 
teach us. It brings us back to our first love. To truly repent and weep and mourn over that which distances us from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now we're going to dismiss you, but if you're here and you want to just stay in your seat, keep the lights low. Keep the music going. You want to just stay and just pray in your seats. You just feel the presence of God. The Holy Spirit came on you. He's talking to you. Write down what He's telling you. You just want to stay, just stay. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray with you. If you just want to stay in your seats, if you want to come to the altar. When you get home, you may want to go somewhere private and just spend some time, Lord. Read Psalms 51. Read Psalms 51. Search me, O Lord. Try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way within me. And lead me to the way everlasting. Search me, Lord. I'm an open book before you. So with that, we dismiss you and we bless you. We'll see you Sunday morning, 9 o'clock Sunday school, 10.30 regular service. Don't forget, tomorrow night is the ladies' mentoring group. We love you. We dismiss you. We need prayer. We'll be here to pray with you. We just love you and bless you. I love you. I love you, church. I love you, church. We're growing up together to make the Father proud of us. To make the Father pleased with us. In Christ we pray. God bless you.